Walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh, living a life that glorifies God, shining in the dark. I'm talking about being an effective Christian, not just a barely getting by Christian. But I believe in God for a church that influences first the city, then the state, then the country, and then around the world. And I really mean that. I want to be influential for Jesus. Now, for that to happen, we're going to have to be sharp. We're going to have to be sharp in our spirits. And so let's read uh, Paul telling us the truth about what he was going through. And I'm glad he told us the truth. He says, we are pressed on every side. Do you ever feel that way? Well, you got pressure coming from one side, and uh-oh, here it comes from another. And man, I am under the gun. We're pressed on every side by what, everybody? Troubles. But not crushed and broken. We are perplexed because we don't know why things happen as they do. Ever feel that way? But we don't give up and quit. Though we don't understand, we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down. But God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up and keep going. Now, you want that to be your testimony. Isn't that a good word? Give the Lord a hand. That's a good word. Amen. Father, thank you for your word today. Speak to our hearts and build us up in the faith. And thank you, Lord, for victory in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't give up. And you can be seated. God bless you. And uh, now these two verses really speak to me. I'm so appreciative that Paul told us the truth. He was honest with us about what he was going through. And these verses provide a snapshot of life, real life, without makeup. How many of you ever noticed and you're glad that you don't have to walk out the door with your morning mirror face? The morning mirror face scare you the older you get. You ever go to the mirror and go, oh. All right. I'm so glad that Paul let us see his morning mirror face sometimes. He let us see the morning mirror face. Because this is life without makeup. It's free of hype. It's blunt. It's refreshingly honest. I'm so glad for the honesty of Paul. His words show us, and I want you to catch this now, there's nothing wrong with you if you're going through something overwhelming. He tells us that life can be overwhelming. Here is one of the most anointed men in the history of the world. He he passed out handkerchiefs after praying over them, and the sick grabbed them, held on to them, and were healed immediately without him having to even be there. And I'm glad to announce to you that he didn't sell them either. You didn't have to send in an offering to get one. He just prayed over the handkerchiefs and handed them out, And when you took hold of one, it healed you, and demons came out of you. So that's anointed. Now here's one of the most anointed men in the world. Walked with Jesus unlike most ever have. And he says, life has at times for me been overwhelming. I've experienced overwhelming times. Listen to his words. Pressed by troubles. Perplexed by things we don't understand. Knocked down by things we weren't expecting. Out of the blue, here comes something, bam. I wasn't expecting that. Knocked down. But at the same time, these verses 
always have an addendum, every one of them. Listen to what he says. God is there in every one of these situations, these tough times, perplexities, problems. God is there to strengthen, heal, encourage, and guide us. Listen to the victory in every one of these verses. Listen, pressed but not crushed. Now I want you to say the last words with me. Not crushed. Perplexed but not in despair. Hunted down by various trials yet never abandoned. And knocked down but never knocked out. He said, I'm not going to tell you that if you get saved, bad things and difficult things aren't going to happen to you because things happen to us for different reasons and different causes and come from different sources. But I'm I'm telling you that everything you go through, you have within you, within you, a champion. The one who never, ever gave up. Can I tell you who Jesus was and is? He is the one who, who said, it is finished. He never said, I'm finished. He said, it is finished. And I want you to know that within you is the greatest winner that ever trod planet earth. His name is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of the living God. And he lives in you. And because he lives in you, you can face tomorrow. Because he lives in you, nothing is too great for you to overcome. The winner of all winners is empowering you and strengthening you and guiding you. And I might preach a little bit today. I want you to know that you're not going down, but you're going through. You're not finished. You're just getting started. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ that abides in you and lives in you is going to stand you up on your feet, breathe fresh life into your soul, and get you back on the path of righteousness again. I'm telling you, you are more than a conqueror through Him that loved you. He always leads you in triumph in Jesus Christ. And the one who said, it is finished, is in you, and you're going to be able to say at the end of your day, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, it is finished. Our Christian faith says that no matter what you go through, our God is able to make all things come together and work together for the good, for those who love Him and are the called according to His purpose. No matter what you're going through, the creativity of God is already at work. The creativity of God is already fashioning and forming and preparing an outcome that is going to give Him glory. If you don't believe that, I want to take you back to the Bible that is in your hand because this Bible doesn't teach defeat. It teaches victory and that God is able to make anything that has come against you serve His purpose. Now, what I want to talk to you about today in keeping the cutting edge is three simple truths that I've learned through the Word of God through my own life on how important response is to adversity. I want to talk to you about your responses today, the way you respond to what comes at you. I want you to listen carefully to me. This is very, very important. It's not near as important what has come against you as how you respond to what has come against you. Your response is actually more important than what you're having to deal with, the adversities that are facing you in life. Some of you looking for a job. 
Some of you hurting for money. Some of you fighting a physical battle. Some of you fighting a marital battle. Some of you uh, struggling with a mental struggle or a heartbreak. Something is in your life that is causing friction and trouble and testing your faith and trying you. And your response is going to decide how you go through it and the outcome of what you go through. Response is crucial. Listen carefully. Here's three things that have to do with your response. First of all, trials and tests may temporarily hinder you. Trials and tests may slow you down and hinder you, but only you can make you stop. Only your response can make you stop. Now, there have been plenty of times in my life where hindrances and and problems have, have slowed me down and I felt frustrated. Felt frustrated because I couldn't get where I wanted to go seemed like too much was coming against me, Um, seemed like I was just being hindered and slowed down and like a drag was put on me uh, that that was holding me back. And it was very, very frustrating. And when I read the Bible, I'm so glad that once again, Paul tells us the truth about himself. He, He knew what it felt like to have setbacks and disappointments and even disillusionments. Listen to what he said to the Roman church. He wrote to the Romans and he said, for this reason I also have been much hindered from coming to you. Here's the most anointed man walking the planet at that time. He says, Romans, I'm wanting to come to you. I'm wanting to bless you. I'm wanting to to, to hug you, to spend time with you, to fellowship with you. But I'm being hindered. And I can't seem to get there. Like being in a dream, those dreams you have where you're trying to reach something and grab something and you can't seem to get to it. You can't seem, seem to ever finally grasp it. He said, I'm wanting to come to you, and I'm frustrated. I've got a great desire to see you, but I've been hindered, hindered, slowed down by circumstances. And then he wrote to the Thessalonians, and he said, Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, me personally, the man. I wanted to come to you time and again, but Satan hindered us. Now notice those two situations. First, the flesh and circumstances hindered him. And in the second situation, the devil, the enemy, he recognized this is satanic, this is demonic. I am, I am in a spiritual warfare. The devil doesn't want me reaching the Thessalonians because when I get there, I'm going to impart spiritual gifts to them and wisdom to them. So here's the Thessalonians wanting their apostle to come, and the devil was trying to keep him from coming, and the devil was temporarily robbing their blessing. And you know, we all experience times like that where either circumstances or the enemy are holding us back from doing what you want to do. But listen, Even though you may be hindered and slowed down, only you can make you put up the white flag and quit and say, I've had all this fun, I can stand. I'm picking up my marbles and I'm going home. See, nobody, church, can make you quit. Nobody can make you quit. And can I say it again? You don't have living inside of you a quitter. You don't have one who puts up the white flag and gives up. Our Jesus finishes what he starts. 
He reaches the destinations he launches towards. He never says, well, this is too hard for me. I'm going to step aside and let somebody else do my job. No, Jesus always reached the end. He is an it-is-finished Savior. And he is living in you whether you like it or not. That means he's made you a winner. You are not a loser. You are more than a winner through him who loved you. So even when you run out of strength and run out of your ability to do a certain thing, the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ is in you and he's going to get you there. I'm telling you, you're going to finish what you have begun. See, just because you're being hindered or slowed down or experiencing setbacks doesn't mean that you're getting a signal from heaven to give up. Only we can decide whether setbacks and disappointments will make us put up the white flag and quit. Nobody can make you quit but you. Nobody can force you to stop but you. The outcome is always going to depend on your response. Vince Lombardi, the greatest coach in the history of football, next to Tom Landry. By the way, I know this is terrible, but somebody said this to me. Yesterday, finally, the Cowboys brought down the house. That's terrible, I know. I know. And I certainly am not making fun of anybody being hurt, but people always have to make these terrible jokes, and they tell me between services, what am I going to do? But listen to what Vince Lombardi, you ought to read some of the Vince Lombardi quotes. He has some great stuff. Listen to this. He said, mental attitude is 75% of winning. Not brawn, not ability. Mental attitude. There comes a time when life is throwing the, the slings and the arrows at you and you're getting hit, like Paul said, from every side. And there comes a time, and, and Christian church, hear me, that time for the church is here now, right now. We're in it. Where we're going to have to get a spine, get some steel in our spine. We're going to have to get tough and we're going to have to be firm and we're going to have to stand for Jesus and not be ashamed of Him. And that's why, if that's not the way you feel, you're in the wrong church because we intend to make a noise. We're going to make a noise for Jesus. We're going we're to preach Him up and preach the devil down. We're going to make a noise for Jesus. Another man said, in the presence of trouble, some people grow wings. Others buy crutches. What kind of person are you? When you're in trouble, do you grow wings? Do you let God carry you out? Do you let God strengthen you? Do you listen to the Lord? Do you allow grace to carry you? Or do you buy crutches? Paul never bought crutches. Simon Peter never bought crutches. The early church never bought crutches. If they had to give up their life, they gave up their life. Whatever they had to do for the Lord Jesus Christ, they did it. And they let the chips fall where they may. Don't buy crutches if you can grow wings. This is what I'm telling you. Here, here's a big idea for you to take home. You may be hindered and you may experience disappointment, but only you can make you quit. You have a choice as a believer. Since the grace of God is guaranteed to you in the time of trouble, that He is going to make all things work together for your good, you can either respond to that grace, respond positively, respond in faith, or you can buy crutches, get out of church, get out of the Word, walk away and say Christianity just did not work for me. No, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult at times and not tried. Now the second thing I've learned about response in tough times is this. And listen carefully to this. This really matters. 
Your response to adversity is key to whether you make it to the next level in your walk with God. It's key to whether you make it to the next level in your walk with God. How you respond right now to what is in your life, your responses to the adversities, the troubles, the tough times, the difficulties, is going to determine whether or not you get to the next level that God has for you. Now, I want you to think for a moment with me about the children of Israel. Here's the children of Israel. They are delivered out of Egypt. They cried out for 400 years. Finally, God heard them. said, okay, I have heard your cry, heard your pain, heard your tears, seen your tears. Here you go. Here's my man, Moses. He's going to carry you out. Moses goes down, face glowing in the dark. He brings plague after plague on the Egyptians. Finally, they are carried out of there by the miraculous power of God, just like you were saved by the miraculous power of God. He, the, the Red Sea parted supernaturally. They walked through the Red Sea with gleaming, glistening walls of water on either side on dry ground. And as soon as the last child of Israel walked over, those gleaming, glistening walls of water came caving in on the Egyptians, chasing them, and the enemy was defeated, just like Satan was defeated on the cross. But then where did they find themselves? Right where God put them, in the wilderness. Now, God had a plan for them, and it was the promised land. That was the promise. The land flowing with milk and honey, the beautiful land that God had set aside for them. Now, I want you to think about them for a minute. God put them there. They didn't wander in there. They didn't get there by mistake. They weren't there by default. God put them in the wilderness and to reach the promised land, they first had to traverse the wilderness. And so here they go. And the wilderness was there for them. The wilderness was there to teach them. And I want to promise you something. Even though all of them but two perished in the wilderness, can I tell you the truth? God never intended that the wilderness would kill them. Never the wilderness was there to grow them. The wilderness was there to teach them. The wilderness was there to teach them the lessons they would have to know when they crossed the other side and went into the promised land. You can't take the promised land without wilderness training. Some of you in a wilderness, and you're going, now I'm ready for the promised land. What's this wilderness? You need to thank God for that wilderness. The teacher, the Lord Jesus Christ, is right there at your side to teach you in the wilderness because he's going to teach you what you've got to know when you cross over into the promised land and begin taking the land. You're going to need the wilderness lessons to survive. The wilderness was an opportunity for growth disguised as a problem. Some of you got problems today. You're saying, well, I curse this problem. I bind this problem. I attack this problem. In the name of Jesus, problem, get out of here. And it goes nowhere. You have fast and prayed and bound and loosed and named and claimed and blabbed and grabbed, and it's still there. So, well, what is going on here? Well, then, let me tell you something about Jesus. It says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus was ever, ever more the teacher. Every chance he got, he taught the people. They're just walking down a road. He says, behold, the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap. And yet, they're always taken care of. Look at the flowers in the field. As they're walking along, here's the teacher, always teach. Look at the flowers in the field. They don't toil, they don't spin clothing. Yet I say to you, Solomon, in all of his glory, was never clothed like one of those flowers. Look at this. Look at that. And the teacher was always pointing things out. Now it says he's the same today. And so when you're going through a problem, 
Can I tell you today who's standing right there and he's talking if you're listening? And his name is Jesus, and he will teach you. He will minister to you. He'll teach you faith. He'll teach you confidence. He'll teach you trust. He'll teach you how to get into the Word of God. He will comfort you. He will teach you that no matter what you go through, He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. The teacher is always there. And if you're listening, He is talking and He is teaching. Oh, it's true. This week, we went, I went through a real thing. If you read your bulletin, and I encourage you to read that bulletin, what a beautiful bul- bulletin they're putting together now. It looks like a newspaper. It makes you want to read it. And, uh, but this week I had to believe God for a miracle and it wasn't for me. It was for somebody else, but I had to believe God for a miracle and it was sitting on me like an elephant. You ever have a burden where, where it's just like, God, if you don't do this, I don't know what I'm going to do. You ever have that kind of a burden? And I, and I was praying for somebody and I was praying for a situation and it was sitting on me so strong that I prayed several times every day, got hold of God. And I said, oh, Lord, you know, do this. Please do this. I'm believing you. I get up early in the morning. Please do it, Lord. I go to bed at night. Please do this, Lord. I'm laying hold of God. I'm believing God for an answer. And, you know, even in that, when that burden was sitting on me, he taught me. He taught me that when I pray, he's listening. And when I pray, he's talking. And about halfway through this prayer time, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, it is done. It is done. I mean, it was just like, it is done. And I knew that it was done. And I knew everything about what was coming before it ever came. I knew it was going to be a battle. And I knew that in the end, we would have a victory. And exactly what I knew in my spirit after prayer is what happened. And what I'm trying to tell you today, church, is if you're listening, he's talking. And, and you got to go to God with your problems and go to God with your burdens. But even in the middle of this this week, the teacher was right there at my side to teach me. Am I talking to anybody today? I mean, we don't serve a dead God. We don't serve an idol. I mean, thank God, I guess, for American Idol, but I don't have an American Idol. I've got a heavenly idol. I've got a heavenly Savior. His name is Jesus. And he talks to me and he walks with me and he tells me that I am here. I think I'm going to preach a little bit here in just a minute. I hope you came to listen. I'm going to preach you up, get you out of your doubt, get you out of your despair, get you out of the fog that's over your mind. Some of you, the rest of you, you look pretty good. Everything the children of Israel needed to learn, they learned it in the wilderness. Listen to what God says about their wilderness time. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known or seen. Why? Here's why. To humble you and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Everything God allows you to go through, everything that God allows into your life, He's there to teach you. I'm not saying that everything is from God, but I am saying that you can praise Him in everything, and I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But look at this now. He said, God is there to assure that whatever you go through, He is going to teach you, humble you, test you, train you, so that in the end it might go well with you. God wants your life to go well. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be fulfilled. 
He wants you to be happy. Now, how long since a preacher told you that? He wants you. And so what do the children of Israel, what could they not seem to learn? Two simple things. Trust God and obey God. That's all they had to learn. Trust God and obey God. And they just couldn't seem to get it. And they walked around the same mountain over and over again. God saying, can't you just trust me? Well, I think you sent us out here to kill us. I think you brought us out here to do us in. Well, that's not trust. That's believing the worst of God. All that God was waiting for was for them to look up and say, you know, we're in this wilderness. It's a cloud by day, fire by night. We're eating this funny stuff in the morning called manna. But you know what, God? I trust you that you've got my good in your mind and you're leading me to a good place and you're not going to let me down and you're with me. And so, Lord, no matter what's around me, I just trust you. That's all I was wanting to hear. Trust God and obey God. But instead, here was their response. He sent us out here to kill us. I hate this manna. I hate this stupid water out of a rock. I don't even like Moses anymore. He stutters. His brother's weird. I just don't like this whole situation. I wish God had left us in Egypt. We had it better off in Egypt. Boy, I wish I had just stayed in the world, stayed at the bars. I wish I had just never come into this church deal because this is a drag and a bummer. And you know what? Right about then, they died in the wilderness because of their response. So what's God waiting from us? I trust you, Lord. And I obey you, Lord. I'm going to do what you've told me to do. I'm going to walk in the light that you've given me. And that's it. I'm just going to walk in the light you've given me. And I'm going to trust you in everything. And God says, that's all I'm waiting to hear. Let's go up the next level. God won't allow anything into your life that cannot cause you to grow. But whether you grow or wilt is determined by your response. Amen? Listen, let me tell you something about people. People can take your stuff. This world can take your things. Many of you lost a third, a fourth, a half of your retirement overnight. The world system took it. But they can take your stuff. They can criticize and malign you. Circumstances can try and frustrate you. But none of these things can control your response. You are the master of your response. You're the decider of what your response will be. Will it be a godly faith response? Or will it be a negative, fleshly, carnal, complaining, grumbling response? It's up to us. But before you respond to anything, ask yourself two questions. How long do I want this to last? And how do I want it to end? You ask yourself those two questions when adversity comes. All right, I'm about to respond. I'm about to have a fit. Or I'm about to have a benefit. <laughs> Which is it going to be? Here's what you do. You say, how long do I want this to last? And how do I want it to end? Because if you have a bad response, it's going to last longer. And it's going to end not to the glory of God. Have a positive response. You're going to have to train yourself to do it. The Bible, the greatest philosophy book in the history of the world, the greatest instruction manual for living in history, the number one best-selling book of all ages, this Bible repeatedly teaches the importance of how you respond to things. Listen to this one, a great one. Paul, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
Some of you are praying, oh, Lord, what's your will for a husband? What's your will for a wife? What's your will for a job? Can I give you something that is God's will for sure? In everything, give thanks. He didn't say for everything. He said in everything. In the presence of everything, give thanks. When I was praying this week, uh, about day number four or so, and I was bombarding heaven again to do this thing for me, and I was believing God, and he'd already spoken to me. And so here I am asking him again, and he said, why don't you quit asking me and start thanking me for the answer? That's what he said to me. Why don't you quit asking me? I've heard you. Why don't you try thanking me for the answer? And I said, you know what, Lord, you're right. So I had a Holy Ghost benefit in my bedroom. I lifted up my hands. I've been pacing the floor. Oh, God, do this. And I started thanking God that it was done. And suddenly someone else was in that room with me. And, and, and I sensed the Holy Spirit. And I sensed his favor. And I knew that it was done. And so I thanked him for it. In everything Give thanks. What is that? That's teaching you a response so that you're not taken down by the problem. Jesus, the master of living, the master of living, taught us the power of response when faced with adversity. Listen to what he taught. Bless those that curse you. What is that? That's a response. He said, do good to them that hate you. He said, pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you. What are those three instructions? They're responses to adversity. So somebody hates my guts, I bless them. Is that easy? No. Do I want to dispense Texas justice? Yes. And then repent. Yes? (laughs) That's not what he said. He said, if you want to stay free, here's your response. Listen to this. When Job had learned that all of his possessions as well as his children had been lost... The Bible records his response. It says, On hearing these things, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground, watch this, in worship, and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. And did Job not come out on the other side of his trial? Is that what I read in my Bible? Is that in yours? And look how the man went in. He went in worshiping, even though his wife was saying, curse God and die. He had a right response. Now listen carefully. In the time of adversity, and all of us have it, you can praise him or you can curse him. You can trust him or you can doubt him. You can seek Him or you can turn away from Him. The same sun that melts butter hardens clay. Some people move closer to God when they go through adversity. Some people are driven away from God. It's all a matter of their response. You can bow in humility or you can resist Him in pride. You can refuse to learn or you can sit at His feet. You can let it break you or you can let it make you. You can grow spiritually duller or you can allow the experience to sharpen you. It is all a matter of how you decide to respond. David the psalmist wrote, It's good for me that I have been afflicted, for now I keep your word. Here he is going through affliction and he said, You know, it's a good thing I got afflicted because it drove me into the word of God. Response. Now, the third thing I've learned, and I'm going to close with this. And I want you to remember this when you walk out of here today. Your trial may be lasting, but it's not everlasting. 
What you're going through may be lasting, but it's not everlasting. That's so good, I want you to say it with me. Say it with me, my trial may be lasting. Longer than I thought, but it's not everlasting. So why would you mention that, Pastor Jeff? Because one of the devil's great ploys when we're going through adversity is to, is to convince us that something is never going to change. Somebody said the devil wants you to think there's nothing more permanent than your temporary situation. He wants you to think that your temporary situation, because it's in the hands of God, is permanent. And by convincing you that it's permanent, he discourages you. And when he discourages you, he dulls you. And when he dulls you, you begin to say, well, you know, I don't feel like going to church today. I don't feel like getting in the Word. I think I'll just sit back and cool my heels and flip on the view. Don't flip on the view. Can I say that today? I hope I don't have any view fans in here. That won't build you up in the faith. I can say that with confidence. All right? (laughs) You notice I didn't get a big amen on that. We got some view watchers in here. Watch this now. As with many and all other things, the devil's a liar when he tells you your temporary situation is never going to change. He's a liar. He's a liar. He is trying to get you to discount the creativity and the reality of God in your problems. Abraham and Sarah were barren for 25 years, but it changed. David was 10 years hiding from Saul, but it changed. Moses was 40 years on the backside of a desert, wondering what happened to his call, but it changed. Joseph was in a dungeon for three years for something he did not do, but it changed. Jacob waited 14 years to get Rachel as a wife. And surely there were times he said, is this ever going to change? But guess what? It changed. Daniel was in the lion's den for the longest night of his life. But it changed. And the one that had thrown him in there was tossed in there the next morning. And Daniel was delivered. Listen to the prophet Habakkuk. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. The important thing is this, in waiting on God, we grow better and not bitter. Wait on God. Trust God. He's working in ways behind the scenes that you cannot see or know. I was praying this week for a deliverance for someone. And this person had no idea what was going on behind the scenes to bring about deliverance. They had no idea the prayer. They had no idea the effort. They had no idea all the activity that was going on behind the scenes that was working for them, that if you had said to them, is anything going on to help you? They just said, not not anything I can see. But going on behind the scenes, all kinds of things were taking place for the moment of their deliverance. And when that deliverance came, I'll tell you, and they still don't know all that was put into it for their deliverance. And that's what I'm telling you. When you pray to God, Lord, please move on my behalf, you have no idea. Angels are dispatched. You have no idea. The Word of God is released. You have no idea. The Holy Spirit goes on the move. He's doing things behind the scenes you can't see or be aware of. So that when you finally get answered, you go, oh, well, you know, and God's up there going, you have no idea. (laughs) 
In times of trial, when we're pressed, hunted down, perplexed, and knocked down, you've got to allow him to show you the other side. And what is that? The victory of fresh strength, renewed hope, and increased faith. You've got to let God show you the other side. Let me close with David's words. Can we stand together? Say with me how long this lasts and how it ends hinges on my response. Listen to David. What would have become of me had I not believed that I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living? Then he says, wait and hope for and expect the Lord. Be brave and of good courage and let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for and hope for and expect the Lord. Can we give him a hand of praise today? God's working on your behalf. And I can't tell you how much Kathy and I thank God for you and love you and pray for you all the time. And our church is making a noise, a good noise. This week, my son, I told the first service about this, and I'll just go ahead and tell you, my son this week was at a very secular store. The first service, I went ahead and broke and told the rest of the story. He was at a gun store. He's getting a gun. He said, Dad, this place was packed. He loves target shooting, and he was getting a gun. So he's in there, and all these people milling around looking at guns. And So he asked the guy at the counter. He said, well, what about this gun? And he went ahead and decided to get this gun, so he got to put his name down. And he wrote down Wickwire. And this guy who was behind the counter, he said he was loaded with tattoos, head to toe, looked like he owned a gun, gun-looking guy. And he said, he looked at the name and said, Wickwire. He said, no way. You're not connected to Jeff Wickwire. He said, yeah, yeah, he's my dad. (laughs) He went, oh, my gosh. He said, I listen to him all the time. I love the word of God that comes over the radio. He said, I can't believe you're his son. Really? And and, and Jeremy said it was almost like he was going to jump over and kiss him. (laughs) And I thought, Here he is, a guy working at a gun store, covered in tattoos, behind the counter, in a secular place. But the Word of God, through you and me, reached him. Reached him. And that really blessed me. You're not here today, are you? He'd be too embarrassed now. But I want our church. Now, here's here's the deal. Freed people, free people. And I want you to be free, and I want you to have a response that takes you to the next level. I want to bless you. Will you let me bless you today with a blessing as we leave today? I want to bless you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this precious people that you're bringing together as a strong, influential church body. And now, Lord, I bless them today with the blessing of God. And I say to you, you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are blessed in the storehouse and blessed in the field of your labor. 
You are blessed and you're going out the door in the morning. And you are blessed and you're coming in the door in the evening. God's favor is on you and His blessing is on you and His guidance is on you. And His, His prosperity, spiritually and otherwise, is upon you. There is a witness coming through you, and people are watching you, and you will shine. The light of the Lord is on your life. And, Lord, I pray that this week this people will have divine encounters where they are the answer and not a question mark, an exclamation point and not a perplexity. I thank you, Lord, for blessing us in the mighty name of Jesus. Now go in the power of the Spirit and go in the grace of God. You are the winner and not the loser. You are the champion and not the defeated. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.